we want to do. But that's the privilege we have. It's just laboring with the Father, laboring of Christ, laboring of the Spirit in what He wants to do amongst us, but also uh, through us into our surroundings and also, I believe, the nations even. Uh, some of you guys sitting here this morning, I'm under no illusion that some of you might even be used within the nations uh, in years to come or seasons to come. So I think <coughs> what what I want to uh, share on this morning is not good luck, good luck, bad. So that's basically every time I preach, my daughter has like a, just a slogan that she puts on top on top of my my theme or whatever I feel the Lord is uh, is saying. Um, but uh, so this morning, I, I really I want to provoke you this morning because most of us look uh, we look towards a guy named Paul, not this Paul, but there's another Paul in in the Bible that we that we that we look towards, and, uh, and he had some outrageous things to say, where he would say stuff like, you know, imitate me as I imitate Christ, follow me as I follow. There was such a um, truth that it, so that it took hold of, that he could say, if you capture what I'm captured with, you run the race like I'm running my race. That's the thing. There's something that Paul got in his life, that uh, even... Um, in the book of Philippians, uh, that's not part of the preach or whatever, it's just something that came up. But that's about 20 days before he was executed. And in the book of Philippians, you read two words uh, frequently. I think it's about 16 times you read it. The word joy or rejoice. <coughs> and then in Philippians 3, Paul writes the following and he says, To write the same things to you again is no problem for me. I'll do it over and over again because it is a safeguard unto you and your Christian walk. And he says, rejoice therefore in the Lord. So he points to the safeguard. And that word rejoice, it literally means the following. It should take whatever you are grappling with, whatever is in your heart, whatever might be stirring in your emotions, whatever the disappointments might be, whatever the expectations might be, and to recalibrate all of that back into the person of Christ and into his dreams, his emotions, his expectations and his desires. That's literally what that word means. And this is what Paul was 20 days before he knew his possible execution was around the corner. Uh, if he, you know, what, what do I leave with the church? This was his message. This was the thing. This is your safeguard, church. Rejoice in God always. So I don't know what you're going through this morning. There came a lot of prophetic words, I think, of people that might feel like you're in a busy season. Uh, I even feel like there's maybe some people here this morning that you feel disqualified in some areas that God's given onto you, or maybe you feel dis discouraged, or you <coughs> you just feel heavy burdened and laid. I don't know what it is, but all of us, there's something we sometimes carry that God's dream over you is not to carry it anymore. That's His dream. That's that's the thing, and this is what we see in the life of Paul. Okay, so getting actually what I want to share that. <laughs> what are you captured by this morning? That's the question. What are you captured by this morning sitting here? This morning is maybe like high and then they'll feel it, especially if, if you have the first one. You know, you'll feel it. Capacity goes. You can't do what you did before. Um, all of a sudden, the routine changes. And you're captured by the struggles of what you need to go through to find the rhythm again. <coughs> so you're captured by something. Maybe this morning you're sitting here 
you are captured by a business decision that you need to make. That's something that's capturing you. Or you are capturing by any form of just something coming against you and stealing your joy. You are captured by something this morning. Okay? So that's the question. What are you captured by? And if you look at that word capture, you can also put another word in there and you can ask yourself, what are you imprisoned by? Because that would be a different word for the word capture. What are you imprisoned by? Okay. So <coughs> getting to, to Paul of the Bible, not Paul of Bloemfontein, but I'm sure Paul of Bloemfontein has a lot of wisdom as well that, that, he, <laughs> that he can impart it to you guys. But uh, um, just Paul, he says stuff, and I know we read it in the natural, but I believe this was something of his posture. Just getting back to that example of uh, Philippians where he said he was constantly rejoicing, rejoicing. He was constantly captured by something. He was constantly looking towards something. Okay? Um, but you, you'll hear Paul, even in the book of Ephesians, he'll say stuff like, you know, I am a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know he's writing in the physical, but I mean, it, I, I believe it's, it's more than the physical. And the reason I want to say that, if you go to Acts 20 verse 22, uh, it says the following. And I now, and, and I now, you see, am going to Jerusalem. So basically, there was a prompting in the Spirit for Paul to get to Jerusalem, okay? And he says, I am bound by the Holy Spirit. I am obligated, compelled by the convictions of my own spirit, not knowing what will befall me. And there was a lot of things that would have befalled Paul. There was a lot of, um, you know, um, I would say challenges that, that was awaiting Paul in those circumstances, but he wasn't captured by it. How many times has God, maybe, you know, Paul or Aaron's or, or uh, Haya comes to you and say, man, we see something on your life. We feel like there's something on your life. Most of us, us because I've been there, they've been there, a lot of us, we've been there. When, when the Spirit is prompting something, what's the first thought that comes to mind? All the negativity. I don't read my Bible enough. I don't leave my wife en good enough. I don't... There's always something, and this is what Paul is saying. I know there's things that will befall me as I go to Jerusalem, but I cannot but be bound by the Spirit going there. I cannot but be captured by Him leading me into that. You'll always have challenges. We just settled that today. Jesus promised it. You'll have many trials and many tribulations as Paul had, but he was captured by something walking through that. Okay? Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. I am captured by you. Okay. And this is something that Paul, he lived, you know. Um, and I just want to say this. I, I just thought, thought about this, you know. We sometimes have this thing, you know, but the Holy Spirit is leading me, so God must make it like this perfect, peaceful surreal, almost feel like he's taking you to the spa kind of experience, okay, so it's just going to be a breeze, the perfect son of God, led by the Holy Spirit in Luke 4, and what was waiting for him, the devil himself, was waiting, and every time the devil had a voice, <coughs> Jesus was captured by a different voice. Every time the devil had a voice, Jesus was captured by a different voice. And that's the thing that brought him through. That's the thing. Okay. So Hebrews 12, um, 
verse 1. And this might be the, the main scripture that we'll use, maybe verse 2 as well this morning. Um, and you can build around this. Is, uh, most of you guys know it by heart. But this is Paul. And I want to remind you where he's launching from. He's launching from Hebrews 11, looking at people that, run, that ran their race and they did it well. I mean, we call it like the Hall of Fame of all the generals in the faith. That's, that's basically, that's it. I was sitting here looking at that dictionary. That's, that's basically the dictionary of, of uh, the Hall of Fame of, of the generals of, of, of faith. That's it. Those were the guys. If you were to like amount to anyone or be inspired by anyone, you would have looked to these people. And it's like there's a reason that Paul is giving this list. Because even him, I think he went through stuff. There were times that he would say in his life, the things I want to do, I don't get to it. But the things I don't want to do, I seldom find, I often find myself doing it. You know, he also had struggles. He wasn't, like not, not one of us is Jesus. We're not perfect. We strive to be. And by his grace, he forms us and he brings us closer to that place of health, of looking more and more like him. But we're not Jesus. But as we look towards him, as we captured by him, we will come close. And that's the thing. Paul is looking at these men. And from there he writes Hebrews 12 verse 1. He says, Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so a great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth. And I just want to stop there quickly. The thing that captured them was the thing that wrote their testimony. Maybe just think about that this morning. The thing that captured them was the thing that wrote their testimony. How many of you know that, uh, I mean, this isn't often preached and we don't like that kind of preach, but how many of you know there's examples like Esau where he forfeited the call that God had for him? Okay. Why? Because he was captured by something else. He was captured by his natural needs, his, his hunger, his, you know, it's a, it's a simple example, but he was captured by something else than the call of God for his life. And that, this is a scary thing. Being captured by the wrong thing actually derails you from giving birth to the testimony of truth of what God is dreaming over you. Okay. So it's a, it's a scary thought. And then it goes on. It says, let us strip off and, and throw aside every incumbent, uh, unnecessary weight. And that sin which so readily, in some of the translations, says easily clings to us and entangles us. So you're not immune. I'm not immune this morning standing here uh, when it comes to negativity or a different voice or, or, or something else wanting to derail me. It speaks about entangled. That word entangled was Paul launches from running your race well. He comes into this chapter. It means like when you go and you run the comrades or you're on the ocean, it's being, it literally means the, bo- the word to be boxed in. So there's voices, there's experiences, there's something that comes to you in your mind, in your heart, your soul. There's something that captures you that's not the offer of life. And in your race, running for God, running in my call, running in what He calls me to, I get boxed in by something. And how many of you know if you're boxed in, you, you waste a lot of energy? You, you get tired really, really quickly. I mean, how, for instance, we have a guy in church. Um, he's the other elder in Kimelik. He does the oceans and the comrades and all of that. 
I used him as an example the other, other Sunday. I said, how do I tire that man? How do I tire him? Put a backpack on his, um, backpack on his back and I'll, I'll put about four bricks in. He won't finish the Kamosh. He won't. We'll maybe get halfway. I, I doubt it in any case if he gets that far. Four bricks. Four bricks. And this is what Paul is saying. Some of us are running the race with unnecessary weight. Because we're giving attention to the wrong things. That's for sure. That's for sure. Okay. And I want to use an example this morning. I was just at work getting back to the thing of imprisonment. What are you imprisoned by this morning? What are you captured by this morning? I want to use the example of uh, John in Matthew 11. Uh, most of you guys know it. So he's, he's put in jail and, uh, and he's imprisoned by something. He's in prison by something. He's, he's looking, and he and uh, I'll, you know. So let me maybe use this as a launching pad. I think John was present when Jesus took the scroll and he said, "The Spirit of God is upon me, because He has anointed me to preach the good news of the gospel to the poor, to set the captive free, to bring freedom to the to those that are oppressed, to heal the eyes of the blind." Okay, that 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 message was rung out. Why did Jesus come? Why was he anointed? Why was he in the synagogues? Why did he come? One of the perspectives that was doing around was that he would set the captives free. Okay, so here's John in the will of God in a prison. <laughs> Captive. And you know the story he goes on. He says, listen, can you maybe just, as my disciple, can you go and ask that man if he really is the Messiah? Because I, you know, my, my, my environment isn't ministering that to me in the same. The voice that's speaking to me isn't ministering that truth to me in this moment. What I'm seeing isn't ministering that truth to me in this moment. So he sends his disciples and then Jesus comes and he says, go and tell John what you are seeing and what you are hearing. And he has this whole list of the lame receive their healing, you know, the blind have their eyes open. And he goes through the whole list, and you can take that list, and you can put it against the list of Luke 4, and there's only one thing missing in that list, and it's that he would set the captives free. That's the only thing that's missing in that list. If you take that list and you just put it next to Luke 4, it's the only thing that's missing. And I want you to see this. That's all he wants to imprison you with this morning. What is the one area in your life that's not perfectly lining up to Scripture, to the will of Jesus, or what He can be doing this morning in your life? That's the one thing that He takes. And all He needs to do is He needs to keep you blinded to the rest. Because Jesus is doing a lot of things. It says when John heard about the activities of Jesus, He was doing something. He wasn't doing nothing. He was doing a lot. He sent his disciples to say, go and find out, is this the Messiah? I don't know what it is for you this morning, but that's the tactic, okay? Daniel 7, verse 25 is not part of the scriptures, but, but basically Daniel has a vision. And he has a vision of the enemy warring against God and warring against his people. I don't know about you, the devil isn't creative. It's the same strategy, there's, there's no creativity. He's not a creative being, okay? 
and you read these two tactics, it says, for eternity, you'll speak against God and he'll wear out his saints. That's the tactic. It's never changed. That's the tactic. So you'll speak against God. You'll speak against the things that God endorsed. So if you've been leading a church long enough, you know how that feels. People think, speak against you, the way that you might be doing stuff or the, the way you might be leading. But that's all he does. He, he, he makes you aware of the one crack in your leader, and you just focus on that one. But when Hoya is standing here and he's preaching under the anointing and he's prophesying or Paul or Aaron, so we no longer see that. We just see that one thing. It's like John. And we start doubting, is this the man that God chose for this position? Is this the man? And exactly the same from the leader's side towards the saints. Guy walks in the door, you see him glowing in the dark as he enters that door. And you feel, man, Jesus himself just entered this door. And then there's just this thing that comes through. But that's, uh, that's you know, speaking against God. How do I connect that? That person was fearfully and wonderfully made by the Creator Himself. So that's speaking against something that belongs to God. And all of a sudden I see one thing as a leader that can speak. But I don't see it under the Spirit. And all I start seeing when I look at that man is I see the crack. So I'm captured by something else that Jesus is dreaming over that person. I'm captured by something else. And this is the weightiness that comes into your church family. This is the thing. That is the weight that we carry. All the negativity, the weight that we see, we no longer, we're supposed to no longer see one another according to the flesh. The Bible and Paul commands us. But according to the Spirit. That's the same tactic. You'll find it. You'll find it in the marriage. Okay? I love Andrew's story, and I think none of us is exempt from that. There's not... If, if you are married today and you haven't fought, I don't know what that is, but that's not a godly marriage. Okay. <laughs> that's part of the package. Your wife is, your, is the best gift that God will give to you for sanctification. <laughs> like, honestly, you can listen to Andrew's preachers. He said he, he thought he was like the next Moses leading the people of God. And when he got married, he said he thought he was Satan himself being reincarnated. That's, that's what marriage does. But getting back to, to whom does marriage belong? Well, and all he does in the, those spaces, he comes and he points. And you start getting, you start running through the, the questions, the conversations. God, maybe, maybe if I stayed single, I could have changed the whole of Africa for you. You know, you, you start thinking like that. Maybe if you gave me less children, I could have had more capacity. That's not the point. But we start being imprisoned by stuff like that. And we no longer, as, as this one says in Hebrews 12, get to a place where we start bear, like, you know, giving birth to fruit. What is the fruit in all of those circumstances? God gave you a beautiful gift. He says, whoever finds a wife, finds a gift from the Father. It's from Him. That's the fruit. If it's perfect or not, it will, it will bring you onto perfection. 
the rest of your life, God gave you something to discover more of this about him. It's one of the biggest gifts he could have given you. Okay. So that's the thing. That's the tactic. You start speaking against God. You start speaking. He starts wearing out the stuff. Okay. And that's the thing. I hope it comes across. And then I want to focus on the guy that I want to speak about, Paul. Okay. So that's the two pictures that you get. You get John. And most of us find ourselves there in times. I mean, this is the guy pointing, there's the Messiah, there's Jesus, there's the Son, there's the Lamb of God. He'll, he's the one that's going to save this world, and, and, and basically he'll take your sins upon him. That, that, was, that was John. That was the guy that Jesus said up until his time there was no prophet like him. And now he's sitting in prison, being imprisoned by negativity, and he's like, but is that still Jesus? Is it still him? Is, is, or is there someone else? I hope, I hope you're getting this morning what I want to push across. There's so many things out there that you can be captured with. And it's not, it's not Jesus. It's something else. Okay. But looking at Paul, I'm not going to give all of you the info. So John basically was imprisoned in his life once. Paul said, I can't even remember <laughs> how many times. <laughs> you know. So he gives the whole list. You guys can go and read it in 2 Corinthians 11. I'm not going to read it. But it's this whole list of being shipwrecked, constantly being in danger, not being loved by people, thrown out of cities, stoned. Five times I received the, the, you know, the whips where he says 40 minus one. So basically the whipping that Jesus went through, he went through it five times. You know, he says that he, he, um, he was in danger from the Jews. He was in danger from false believers. I mean, it's, it's, it's scary. Go and read the book of Acts. How many times did Paul start a church, in a, in a sense, like a community group? He starts something. He preaches. People get saved. And all of a sudden, there's two groups. There's people that love him. There's people that hate him. And the people take him and just throw him out of the city. Or they go to the, you know, to the guys leading the govern, govern, governing bodies, and they go and complain about this guy. And they're like, you know, but he's no, he's no good news to us. We need to get rid of him. We need to imprison him. We need to teach him a lesson. We need to, okay? So this is Paul. John basically went through the one imprisonment, and he's like sitting there. I don't, I don't know, you know, is this Jesus? <laughs> but I love looking at Paul because I think God made him an example of something that can be imitated, that can be followed. I think one of the things that Paul had in his life, I think it was a real struggle till the end of his life in his identity. I think a lot of times the imprisonments, the throwing out, sometimes for good reasons, but I feel sometimes for just reasons as being known as Paul. And just, you know, there, there was that history connected to him. This is the man, we don't know if we can trust him. We don't know if we can welcome him. We don't know if he's going to persecute us. We don't know. I think for a lot of times, that might be some of the reasons why they rejected him. And for a guy leading a church or being part of leadership or, you know, or even if you're out there preaching the gospel, how many of you have found that the gospel isn't that popular? There's a challenge. And you're, you're sitting with that thing, do I want to be known, you know, as the Jesus guy? Or I just want to be part of the in crowd? All of us this morning, you want acceptance, you want love. All of us. And this is something I think Paul fought till the day that he died. But I love it. He found something being captured by the person of Christ. And I love how he, I'm just going to use one example. Ephesians 1 verse 1, where it says, Paul, 
an apostle, personally chosen representative of Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed, by the will of God, that is, by His purpose and His power. So Paul knew who he was. He wasn't boasting in it, but he knew his identity because he was captured by the one that was dreaming his identity. He knew his identity. Okay. And then going through all of that, in Romans 8 verse 31, he says the following. Um, what then shall we say in response to those things? If God is for us, who can be against us? This is a man. I mean, it just goes on what he, what he endured. And all of that, there's no thing of, man, I'm sitting with rejection issues, need to go and see a psychologist, maybe take a pill just to. There's nothing of that. There's, there's, there's the whole time he gets up after being stoned and he goes back into the city and he says, I still need to preach that. I s they still need to know about him. I cannot, as Peter would say in Acts 5, I cannot but keep quiet about the one that I've seen and I've, uh, and I've heard. I cannot but. I'm captured by this. Okay. And this is going through all of that. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Going through all of that. How many of you have you've maybe been rejected? Let's make it easy. Maybe you're leading a community this morning. And you've been there by where you've said something twice. Maybe leading it twice and then the guys weren't really listening to you. How many of you would go out there like really infused with encouragement? Huh? How many of you would go out there, Lord, did you even call me to this? I don't feel the people are listening to me. I don't feel I'm making an impact. I, I don't feel like I'm making a stand. That's probably we'll feel like that. But once again, Paul, through all of this, not always being accepted, he says, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Verse 35, Romans 8. He was captured by Christ. Through all of the rejection, all of the not, not, you know, always going the way that Paul planned and so forth. He said, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He was captured by something. He was imprisoned by something else. Okay. And this is, this is for me, I think this is the verse that will challenge me for the rest of my life. If you take away the whole Bible, I think this would be the verse that I want to, I want to hold on to for the rest of my life. And this is Paul speaking. So if I were to ask you this morning who was Paul, some of you would say he was like a super apostle. Some of you would gave me give me stats like he, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Some of you would say he planted all the churches in the New, or most of the churches in the New Testament. He planted. He was a real apostolic figure knowing how to build. He was a master builder. He knew how to lay the foundation of trust. He knew how to disciple nations in the faith. You know, he, he, he was this kind of guy. That is how we look at him. And it's so easily that we can, we can sum up his heart's desire from that space and saying, but that's Paul. I mean, look at it. You just read it. He introduced himself as an, uh, as an apostle. That's Paul. But I want to give you what Paul was writing over himself. This was his desire in life. This was the thing. He wasn't looking for the next Timothy. He wasn't looking for the next church plant. He wasn't look, looking for the next church to be, you know, reworked and so forth. He had one purpose in life. And from that purpose, all of that became an uh, overflow. 
And he started bearing testimony to the truth from the serpent. Okay. In Ephesians, uh, Philippians 3 verse 10. I'm going to read it from the Amplified to you guys. It says the following. For my determined purpose is, this is Paul. Okay. So now, me, I would have thought after this, it would have said the following. To plant more churches. To raise up more leaders. To get the church in a more healthy state. To equip the saints for the works of ministry. To, like honestly, we, we put it in, in there. But he says the following. My purpose is that I may know him. That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. That I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which he exerts over believers. And that I may be formed and fed into his likeness, even to continue there it says that if possible i may attain to the resurrection that lifts me up from among the dead even while in the body not that i have now attained this ideal or have already been made perfect but i press on and i lay hold and make my own that for which Christ Jesus, the Messiah, has laid hold of me and made my own. This is the man that most of us this morning are looking towards. We should be looking towards Jesus. I know that. But if you want to find an inspirational figure in the Bible and say, I want to be like that man. I want to live my life like him. I also one day want to say, man, Maybe some of you can imitate something in me like I'm imitating him. It would be cool. And I love it. Like this, this is, if you were to cut the heart of Paul and say, what are you bleeding? He would say this. This is my purpose. To know him. This is it. To know the power outflowing from his re resurrection. What is the power outflowing from his resurrection? basically the fulfillment of John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave and when Jesus died what was the power that was supposed to make known to the world the father loves you the father loves you he wondrously and fearfully made you he predestined you there's something that he wants you to give birth to that only you can give birth to. There's a story that he wants you to tell about the love working into you and working through you. And only you can do it. And that is where verse 2 comes in of Hebrews 12, where it says the following. Looking away from all that will distract. I want to tell you this morning, church, there's stuff that will distract. 
Paul says, looking away from that and focusing your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of your faith. Being captured by him. Making Paul's determined purpose in life your purpose this morning. And I don't know what the world's put on you. Maybe this morning you're here and you had a history. I had a history like that. I was the one that was addicted to pornography and lust. So the world looked at me a certain way. People would have labeled me a certain way. Maybe uh, this morning you, you are still struggling with something. I don't know. And the guys will say, you know, that's just a guy that sails on a Saturday. But God's got something for you other than that. He has like a name change this morning maybe for you from Saul to Paul. There's something that he has for you this morning. But it's when Paul saw him, it's when he asked the question, who are you? And he said, I am Jesus making myself known to you. From now on, you'll be a chosen instrument. You'll no longer be Saul, you'll be Jesus. There's something in seeing him that sets you up and looking away from the stuff that will distract and try to distract, but keeping your focus on him this morning. It's almost like if I can give a prophetic picture. It's almost like God is wanting to take whatever has been write, written on your life. And he wants to erase it this morning as he looks at Jesus. And he says, I wanna, I wanna, I'm the author of your life. Not what people say. Not what circumstances say. Not what the devil was trying to do to John. See, you, you nothing. God called him the greatest. He was sitting in prison. I most probably think he was going through the emotions, did I fail God? But Jesus had another story that he was telling on the side. He said, but up until this time, this was the greatest work of my life. I don't know what God is wanting to say to you about this morning, but I, I, I really feel this morning, and I want to pray into that. Let's open our eyes, let's, op let's open our ears, let's, let's open our hearts this morning and allow Him to capture you this morning. Allow Him to capture you. As we started this morning with that song, Amazing Grace, I thought to myself, are we still captured by the one that left this world? And that's the thing. That's what Paul says, that, that He came down and I'm going to take hold of what He took hold of on that cross. Jesus had to die to get that message of what is dreaming over you through to you. Do you do you get that? He had to tear the veil so that you can have access this morning in beholding him. And as you behold him, he says, Now I'm writing something new. Now I'm the author and I'm the finisher of your story. Not the world, not your expectations, not your past. I am.